0: Hey,
1: good uh good Wednesday to you. I don't know whether to call this Wednesday afternoon or morning or whatever. It's uh it's kind of in the middle of all those. So, good Wednesday to you. Gabe DeArmond here with powermazoo.com. We're going to bring in Mitchell Forty in just a minute and we'll talk some Mazoo sports here on the 573 report. We're brought to you like we are every week by the good people down at 573Ts. You ought to know them by now. They are your uh, official retailer of, I don't know if retail is the right word. It seems like it is, but uh, they sell all your Mizzou gear that you need. They sell some power Mizzou gear. They've gotten involved with NIL with a lot of Missouri players, including what we want to highlight this week, which is uh, Chad Bailey, Missouri linebacker. Uh, is selling a shirt through 573Ts, that 50% of the proceeds go to Coyote Hill, another organization that I've gotten to know pretty well over the last couple years and that we've worked with a little bit. It's uh, foster children and kids in need in the Columbia area. So, Chad Bailey, at least trying to dispute the myth that name, image, and likeness will completely destroy college athletics uh doing something good with a little bit of his money so if you go to 573 tees.com you can check that out you can buy stuff online you can also go down to their physical location in downtown columbia between 9th and 10th street on in alley a as promised uh we bring in mitchell 40 who to my knowledge does not yet have his own line of clothing but it's a long off season and who knows what could be in the works
0: yeah maybe maybe by the time uh we get to the summer that nil will have expanded to the journalism realm i guess we could Uh, it's not like anyone's stopping me i think the demand is more the issue
1: yeah i I don't think there have ever been any rules against us capitalizing (laughs) on our likeness just uh no one wants to offer us anything for our likeness so um kind of weird time of year where i don't know mitch it seems like something's happening every day but then it also kind of seems like really not that much is happening. Like there are these minor little details every day, but none of
0: it's like big
1: news really.
0: Right, right. Yeah, you know, we we've got some uh, assistant coaching stuff and transfer stuff, you know, every someone's always transferring every day. Um but yeah, no nothing nothing too major obviously in the midst of basketball seasons have both restarted since the last time we we talked to everyone, both men's and women's. Um so yeah, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely a, a little bit of a quiet time of the year as we as we head towards spring football.
1: Yeah, we'll talk a little basketball, and we'll take your questions. If you've got any questions, comments, whatever, feel free to, to put them over in the comment queue. Uh, we see those. We'll let them build up and then kind of spend the last few minutes of the show talking about that. But I, I think we should start football stuff because, honestly, like that's the thing that more people are into, at, even in this time of year where they're not playing football. Uh, To me, the most at least interesting thing that happened was – and I'd heard about this as a possibility a couple months ago, but yesterday Missouri says, uh, hey, we're not going to go play a road game at Middle Tennessee State. We've replaced that with a home game against Louisiana Tech. I don't know what the dollar figure is, how much they had to pay, but I do know that that road game just went away. Like They're never going to play that road game at Middle Tennessee, which I think all of us look at and go, well – Yeah, that's smart. I'm not sure why you were planning to play a road game in Middle Tennessee to begin with.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, I assume it costs them a little bit of money to completely buy it out versus what they will make from an additional home game, but... One, it's just, yeah, it's not a thing a ton of SEC teams do. Like, yeah, you'll you occasionally get a, a team out, you know, playing a, a road game against a group of five opponent, and Mizzou has plenty of those left on the schedule. Um, and two, like, you know, it, it just – it's it the way it set up the schedule next year, it would have been tough. You would have had, I think it was, like, three home games before the month of November, opened on the road back-to-back, back, and, like, you know, you you lose one of the – it sets up to where if you lose one of those games, by the time you're finally getting people in for row Field – you could already get to the point where everyone's like interest has kind of waned. So I think it's, it's always good to get as many home games as you can early in the season when the weather's better and people are, are generally more invested.
1: And, and I want to be clear, like I'm not specifically criticizing anyone because scheduling's tough and it takes oh, two, yeah. two schools, you know, teams are scheduling games, 27 years out. We don't really <laughs> even know who's going to be in the conference and what the conference schedule might look like. So I, I, it's not a criticism. you got to take games where you can get them, but for a school like Missouri, a program like Missouri, there's just no advantage at all. If you go win that game, you're supposed to win that game. To me, if you're playing a road game, make it another Power 5 team, and it's why I've always advocated, even like the at-Boston college game. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad game, but there was more downside to that than upside. It, it's why I wish Missouri could get some series going against maybe some of these bigger names where – Hey, if you lose, you're still going to get some credit for playing it, right? And it's good for your fans. Even, like, at Kansas State next year, that's another one where it's like, Kansas State probably be favored in that game. And there's not shame in losing it. I just don't think there's a lot of reward for winning it. Now that's, but that is better than obviously going and playing a road game at, at Middle Tennessee, right? I mean, if I could draw up the schedule, hey, it'd be Notre Dame and Nebraska and, and and all this, and then you know, coach would go four and eight and get fired, and he'd tell me to quit scheduling <laughs> like an idiot. So, uh, yeah. so I, I don't really know what the right answer is, but the right answer was clearly let's not play a road game in Murfreesboro, Tennessee.
0: <laughs> I was at least pleased to see that we were able to change this. Schedule, you know, what is it, I guess, seven, eight months, nine months in advance and not have to, you know, stay locked into these things that were set in stone probably about 17 years ago.
1: Right. And I think I mean, it is going to be interesting. Look, I think we're past the point where we talk about Texas and Oklahoma being in this league next year, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely.
0: yeah. I mean, the league schedule is already out. Like there's, I, I I don't see any way they could pull it off
1: in time, but I still think it could happen by 2023. And at that point, you're going to have to go to nine league games and a lot of these contracts are going to have to go away. So really to me, looking at future schedules is, is almost pointless at at this point in time. Um, We'll get to a little transfer portal stuff, but the next place I wanted to go was the coaching staff, and and this kind of goes along. Kyle is asking, what position coach do you think they'll fill out the staff with now? So for anybody that – I mean, I would be amazed if you've managed to find our YouTube show and invest time in watching it, and you don't already know this, but uh, Kevin Peoples from Indiana has been hired as a defensive line coach. Charlie Harbison has stepped away from being one of the two secondary coaches to take a – to my knowledge, yet unspecified role. Eric Link is going to coach special teams and tight ends, and there is still one vacancy on the staff, and that's what Kyle's asking about. I mean, I don't know. Mitch, to me, it's got to be an offensive coach, but I'm not sure what Eli Drinkwitz will do with it.
0: Yeah, I'm not really either. I'm intrigued. I mean, like what makes the most sense to me is like a quarterback's coach or possibly even an offensive coordinator. I know Eli Drinkwitz has been pretty gung ho, you know, since taking over about the fact that he was going to call his own offense and he still could and have an offensive coordinator like that's a possibility. But like the one position that that doesn't have a, a coach designated to it right now. It's the quarterback. So, you know, I know Eli Drinkwood works with them, but it, it, that would make some sense to me. The only other thing I could see is maybe you get like a second receivers coach. You know, you have one guy coach inside one outside because, you know, I mean, slot receiver is a little bit different, but then again, last year, I remember them talking a lot about wanting every receiver to be able to play every position, so that would kind of defeat the purpose of that.
1: And, and I could be wrong, but isn't technically Bush Hamden the quarterback and wide receivers coach right now?
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, he. I to my knowledge, he's never actually works with the quarterbacks, but yes, I think he is listed as that.
1: Yeah, so I could see a designated quarterbacks coach um, it, that you bring in and make him like the passing game coordinator in, in title yeah. right now. Uh, let's be clear. Eli Drinkwitz, like you said, he's calling the plays. He is going to be in charge of the offense, and I know a lot of people say that he needs to hire an OC or whatever. If you want to hire an OC in name that does some of the Tuesday and Wednesday stuff and all that, fine, but you know, Dave Matters made this point, and I fully agree with it. You hired Eli Drinkwitz because he's a good play caller, because he's this offensive whatever word you want to use, but that's his background. So if you then tell him, well, you probably shouldn't do that part of the job, then why did you hire him? You know, I mean, that's that's why he's here. You let him do that part of the job.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I somewhat understand some of the people arguing that, you know, maybe he needs to delegate some more responsibilities. He might have too much on his plate because he is so involved in recruiting and, you know, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks, coach, head coach. But yeah, I mean, I think you can take away a few things without taking away the things he is best at which are seem to be, you know, calling an offense and recruiting like that, that should continue to, to be parts of his job. Um, so yeah, maybe it's someone who like works with the quarterbacks more on the daily basis in practice who's in charge of doing some more game planning stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I don't think he has any interest in giving up the play calling and I it, think it would be silly for Mizzou to try to like force his hand.
1: And, and I wouldn't be opposed to honestly, you go hire the guy. Whatever position it's for, that like, yo, I got a couple kids in the portal that I know pretty well. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, that's kind of the way it's done, right? I mean, years ago when Kansas State hired Bob Huggins as a coach and he brought, um, you know, uh, I, I can't even Bill Walker and uh, some other kid with him, um, but. You know, LSU just hired Robert Steeples and they're magically somehow going to end up probably with a pretty good defensive tackle with three years to play because of it. I I wouldn't be opposed to anything like that. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know what position. I mean, Missouri needs some tight ends, it seems to me, because they're rapidly dwindling on the roster. I don't know if you hire a guy because he tells you, hey, I've got a tight end that can come with me. But, (laughs) uh, you know, you get the point. I I don't think that would be... The worst approach to to hire a guy that can bring you a couple. Of pl-
0: yeah, a couple of points. One, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we don't have a mysterious, unnamed offensive posi- position coach hotboard ready because, well, we don't know that many assistant coaches and we don't know what position he's going to coach. So sorry about that. We'll just kind of see who it is when we see. But, yeah, the tight end is interesting. That's another thing that has happened here over the past couple of days is uh, Nico Hay is no longer on the roster, which means that Mizzou no longer has a, a, a tight end on its roster who has caught a pass in college, which uh, seems slightly problematic.
1: Yeah. And look, there are a million. Well, is that connected to Casey Woods leaving? And do they need to hire a tight ends coach before they can get another tight end? I don't know. Look, I've said this on our message board. I'll say it here. They thought they were getting the kid from Cal. Uh, We thought they were getting the kid from Cal. And then... He apparently got his NFL grade back, and he he declared for the draft. So I think that kind of threw a loop into things. I still think and, – and we'll go ahead and get into some of these questions because I want to keep it all football, and then we'll hit basketball at the end. But uh, Magic Man wants to know, would you say they need to bring in a defensive tackle, linebacker, running back, tight end, and wide receiver? Um, and uh, would you say that we need size and speed and players that play with intensity? Yes, those would all be good things. I, I think they should bring in talent. Um, But as far as positions – they have to bring a tight end in in the transfer portal, I think. They seem certainly to want to bring a linebacker in. They've got an offer out to Nate Pete, the the Rockbridge uh, running back who's been at Stanford for three years, and that's one that kind of looks to me like the Makai Wingo thing looks like. I, I don't really think Missouri offers him 12 seconds after he's in the portal, and I don't really think Nathaniel Peet gets in the portal without maybe having a pretty good idea that he's got a chance to come back home. So I think those are the three spots, linebacker, tight end, running back, that I think we feel pretty confident Missouri will add somebody at.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Defensive tackle is a possibility after Wingo left, and I could be wrong. Have they they offered anyone since then? I don't know. I get confused the the timeline of when all these offers come out. But, um, yeah, I mean, like it wouldn't shock me anywhere on the defensive line if they added one more guy. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely think tight end priority number one by far. And maybe that's something that, that waits until after spring football, you know, maybe for m- most of the people who are going to declare, have declared kind of in this wave or sorry, opted or entered the transfer portal, whatever. Um, and, and, although Alabama did just have the one go in there. I know people are excited about him. Probably Missouri doesn't have a great shot, but, but you, you know, never know. know. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe they wait until after spring port- spring football for that running back. Like you mentioned, Nate, Pete would seem to be the the contender there and then, Linebacker, we'll see. Uh, they they they've offered quite a few guys, but I don't believe any of them are currently are still uncommitted. I think everyone they've offered there has found a home.
1: Uh, then Phoenix Knight Flame, as kind of a two part question, I'm just going to put up the second part. Can Drinkwitz pull off another coup and get the USC QB Jackson Dart, or do you think they believe they have the starting quarterback for 22 already in the room? So, look, my information is that uh, they're not they're likely not going to get Jackson Dart. And honestly, I don't really even know if they're pursuing him. Um, so far, correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch, we haven't seen any actual quarterback say he transfer quarterback, say he has gotten an offer from Missouri. Is that?
0: Yeah, I think so. I don't remember the exact deal with Spencer Rattler. I don't think he like tweeted out offers. Maybe he did. If he did what Mizzou wasn't, mentioned from him i think it was just like you know reports including us saying Missouri might have some interest but yeah i don't think there was an, an offer extended that we know of there so and that would have been the only possibility
1: yeah rattler was one of those kids who his list changed every day and there was about a yeah. one day period where missouri was on that list and yeah. missouri was at least interested they were at one point going to talk to him i don't know if they ever did they were They did talk to John Reese Plumley. I don't think they did so as a quarterback. I think they did so kind of as a as a kind of Swiss Army knife all purpose weapon. Um, But this is, and I answered this in a way in the mailbag this morning. I said, "We always do this with recruiting, and fans especially um, do it with recruiting. What do we need for the team next year? The truth of the matter is, for the most part, like." Yes, two or three holes, okay, but for the most part, if you were recruiting to be a good team next year in January, it's too late. You've got too many holes. It's not going to happen. The coaches have to look two or three years down the road. Now, the portal has changed that a little bit, obviously, but... Eli Drinkwitz has to has to manage the quarterback situation for the next three years, not for the next eight months. And we've said since the beginning, you've got to be careful about who you bring in because who you bring in could chase off Brady Cook or Tyler Macon, and it could make Sam Horn look at this and say, hang on, what about all that stuff you told me during the recruiting process? Like, You can't just go compiling stars out of the portal because it's probably going to wreck your locker room, to be honest.
0: Right. Yeah, it, it's complicated. And like, you know, I don't envy the, the job, you know, maybe I envy the pay, the pay, uh, paycheck a little bit, but not not necessarily the job coaches have managing rosters right now. It's not as simple, and a lot of people say this, it's not as simple as just stack talent and figure it out later. I mean, like, you can kind of do that when you're recruiting within high school classes, but when you start bringing in guys from the portal, yeah, that usually causes a, an equal and opposite reaction in terms of someone else or multiple someone's entering the portal, especially when you're talking to quarterback position because as we know only one guy can play there so i mean clearly eli drinkwitz and, and we've said this for a while and i think maybe just some people haven't wanted to believe it but he, he's not like gung-ho on adding a quarterback to this class or into to this roster via the transfer portal it, it is going to have to be someone who would be like a can't miss guy with a couple years or one year of eligibility left and like yeah there's going to be some more transfers after spring but there's not too many more possibilities at this point
1: right and uh, you know Again, Sam Horn understands they are going to sign another quarterback in 2023, right? Right. Every program does that. He knows that. But signing a transfer is different than signing a high school quarterback because the transfer expects, I'm going somewhere where I'm going to play, and I'm going to play right away. No kid transfers and says, yeah, I want to go here where there's like three other guys and maybe fight my way up the depth chart. No, that that's not why they're transferring, right? They, any transfer, especially a quarterback, is going to, on his list of things, say, where can I go and not be promised, but have a very good shot at winning the starting job? Well, once you do that, all the guys that are on your current roster then go, well, I guess they don't think I'm good enough to be the starter next year. So that tells me what I need to do. I need to go find a place I can be. And so, it you you're playing the long game. And again, this is why Eli makes four million dollars and nobody feels bad for him about it. Um, you know, but it is, like you said, a, a difficult situation to manage. Um, Official visits start back up this weekend. Missouri's going to have a junior day this weekend. So uh, recruiting will get going a little bit beyond who's in the transfer portal every single day. So at least we'll have like different things to talk about a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll start to familiarize ourselves with the 2023 class, which seems kind of wild. Although Mizzou does already have a commit in that class. but
1: Two, yeah, I think, yeah.
0: Do they? Huh? Yeah, Well crazy um yeah so th- that'll be that'll be a uh, part of the the discussion this week and if anyone if anyone can actually make it to Columbia I know there's supposed to be some some winter weather
1: yeah yeah we are supposed to get snow on Friday night I think so that's also awesome. I mean I it doesn't matter how late in the year it is like we've had basically no snow I'm still pissed off that we're gonna get snow like it could be we could get the first snow in June and I would be like well this is terrible
0: I mean I would be especially mad if it happened in June like that that shouldn't happen. <laughs>
1: But uh so speaking of weather, Missouri seems to have one year one one basketball game every year where it's like oh hey, there might normally be 4000 fans here but now there's only 800 because nobody can actually get out of their house to make it to the game and Saturday's game against Mississippi State very well Miss not Mississippi State. Who do they play Saturday? I can't. Oh, look that
0: I way. don't know. I know they play Arkansas tonight. I, I don't know past then. Hold on, let me look. Yeah, they
1: play a game on Saturday, and it's uh, yeah. it's, it's going uh, to be A&M. okay. Texas A&M, which by the way is actually, maybe good. Uh, yeah,
0: they, I mean they've got, they've got a couple wins. They beat what who they beat? Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and or Georgia, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. I'm looking at their schedule now. Three yeah, and but, zero in SEC play. Yeah, three uh, and zero in SEC play.
1: Fourteen and two overall. Like legitimately only probably six wins from the NCAA tournament. And, hey, everybody knew Buzz Williams was a good coach when they hired him, but I think this is ahead of schedule there. Kind of on the flip side of that, then, is Arkansas, where Missouri plays tonight. And we'll get more into Missouri talk in a minute, but why does Arkansas suck, man? Like, can you tell me?
0: (laughs) That's a good question. Um, From what I've gathered in my extensive pregame research, uh, their defense has not been very good. Um, they, they've in their losses there, I forget, I wrote it in the story that I published this morning, but <clears throat> in their five losses, they're giving up an average of something like 83 points a game. Um, that you know, they obviously, they lost Moses Moody and Justin Smith, their two leading scorers and Moody in particular, that's a tough guy to replace. I mean, he was a guy who you could just give the ball to him and let him go score. Um, right now I, I, you know, note is a good score. I, I feel like they have multiple guys who are used to running the point and having the ball in their hands and not necessarily, you know, scoring off the ball. That's been an issue. And I was actually texting yesterday with Andrew Hutchinson from our Arkansas rival site and kind of talked to him a little bit and just said like, yeah, why is Arkansas so bad? And he said, and he pointed out to me, that they, when things go bad for them, it goes really bad. And I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but it was something like in like the middle 21 minutes or something like that against A&M, they got outscored like 50 to 19 or something like that. So it's like we, they had, you know, a nice start to nice stretch to start the game came back at the end, but in, in several of their sec losses, they've given up just huge runs where things have snowballed. So I will say um, I, I believe both of the past two years, Arkansas has had like a five or six game losing streak and ended up being you know at least decent. The last year they were much better than decent um and they're probably the fact that they've lost three in a row might actually hurt mizzou in this one because i think they'll be pretty desperate to get a win but clearly they are uh, much more flawed than we thought coming into the season when they were ranked like number 10 or something like that
1: yeah they were like 10 and one, ten 10 and 2 and i watched them a little bit in that tournament in kansas city and they looked like a good team i was i'm i'm surprised they've fallen on on the last couple weeks but yeah i mean they're 0 and 3 like they can't lose this one. They already lost at home to Vandy. They, if they lose at home to Vandy in Missouri, then it's kind of like, you know, you've got to go on a real run to get back to the NCAA tournament. And certainly mm-hmm. that was the expectation in Fayetteville. Um, Missouri, I think Arkansas is a 13-point favorite, I think I saw, which I, I don't know that if that should surprise me or not with Arkansas coming off the stretch it is and Missouri coming off the game that it is. But clearly that's a sign that, that Vegas kind of thinks "Eh, Saturday, like good day, Mizzou, but we don't expect you to be able to repeat that.
0: Yeah. And which is probably fair. I mean, I I thought it was definitely the best game they've played this season. So usually you don't, you know, you don't do that every game or else your team would be a lot better. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, a few things like, I think it's a winnable game for Mizzou if things fall into place the right way. Like Arkansas is, I, I mean, Arkansas is a worse team than Alabama. I'll say that, but one, I think I think they're gonna be pretty desperate. Two, Bud Walton has not been a particularly kind place to Missouri. They did win there last year, but I think before that, I don't it'd been a long time. Their their record there is not good. Uh, and then also, you know, yeah, I just think that you know, when you when you do ultimately look at it, it's really it's not a great matchup for Missouri. Arkansas, while their defense hasn't been great lately, it's mostly been getting beat from three. Their two point defense on the season is still really good. um They turn people over. They get up and down. Uh, they you know they they like to play in transition, which has been an issue at times for Mizzou defending that this season. Although they did a better job against Alabama. So like you, there are certain there are several things in the matchup that you just look at and say that could be a problem.
1: Well, they, clearly then Missouri's mantra doesn't change. Just keep you and they'll fall eventually. Uh, <laughs> they did on Saturday. But uh, I, I want to talk a little bit uh, then about Kobe Brown, who was the SEC player of the week. 30, 13 rebounds, I think, was was the final number against Alabama. Before – because I think there's one specific thing on, on both ends of the floor with him. But, like, did you think he could be this good? I, I knew he'd oh. be this team's leading scorer, but he's been much better than I thought.
0: Yeah, no. No, I, I... – wondered if there would be just some issues with going from a guy who was basically the fourth option to just suddenly the number one guy. No, I didn't think he could be near this good. Absolutely not. Uh, He's been, I mean, really impressive, you know, shown the ability to, to score when his team needs it. He scored. He can score from anywhere. I mean, his three point shots, a little streaky, but I mean, when he's knocking that down, you know, you know, he can score around the basket, you know, he can score in the mid range. He's improved a ton as a rebounder since he first got to Mizzou. I remember multiple times his freshman year, it's just watching him whiff on blockouts and being like, man, you're six, eight or whatever. You need to be able to, to rebound better than that. He's a great rebounder. So yeah, I mean, He's been unbelievable. Basically, the the formula for Missouri is if it's gonna beat a high major team, Kobe Brown is going to carry it. They're, they're in their three wins against SMU, Utah, and Alabama, he's averaging 27 points. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, can you do that every night? No, but still very impressive from what very impressed with what we've seen from him.
1: Well, and as far as Kobe's three point shooting, I do want to be transparent here and say it was less than a calendar year ago that I was telling you that if Kobe Brown continued to shoot threes, I thought Konzo Martin should threaten to maybe um cut his hands off so that he could not he do so that. anymore um you know so he's improved there it's still not where you want to see him shooting the ball from um and I think before I kind of make my my major point on offense I want to say like I, I think it was a you know Kim Anderson said at one point like somebody has to lead the team in scoring right so I think there is a fair discussion to be had whether Kobe Brown can be the lead guy on a good bas- good high-major basketball team. I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, he's having a phenomenal year. He's better than I thought. But you can also look at this roster and say, but part of the problem is that he has to do that because there's nobody else to do it on this team. Um, but I, I wrote this, I, I think it was in my 10 Thoughts on Monday. I looked at some of the numbers. Kobe's averaging 1.5 points per shot attempt there's only one guy who's taken more than, like, 40 shots who's over 1.05, and that's Ronnie DeGray at 1.3. I mean, Kobe's averaging 10.2 shots a game. I think he should average, like, 16. Like, he should take – he should be way more selfish and take way more shots even than he's taking now.
0: Yeah, probably true, and that's something that Konzo Martin has has – talked about. And also, you know, part of those numbers too is he has had quite a few games where he's not on the floor due to foul trouble, which obviously that is the number one thing that Mizzou can't have happen tonight and every game really. Um, But yeah, I mean, like you know, would he put up these numbers uh, on a better team? Probably not. But I I, I do think he's a guy who, I mean, like he could still be a very, very effective best player on a good team. And I think having a little more help around him would make him better. I mean, because as you mentioned, he's not a very selfish guy. He's okay with passing the ball. If you were to get like another, you know, a true five on the team who could actually guard the opponent's big guy and not have him have to do that on the defensive end. If you were to maybe, you know, get, a couple more shooters around him on the wing, so that when he's doubled, he can kick it out. I mean, he—he's a guy who could easily have you know three to five assists a game. So yeah, I, I, his scoring numbers might not be where they are right now, and um, you know if the, the rest of the team were better, but he's definitely a guy who you could build a team around.
1: So so what about this comp? Uh, a lot of people were asking during football season how good would Tyler Beatty be if we had a passing game. Well, he'd be good, but he would have been less productive because he would not have gotten 897 carries. I mean, the fact that Tyler Beatty ran for 1,700 yards this year, like great for him and he had a good year, but it's not taking away from the year he had to say it's a bad thing that Missouri needed him to do that. And I kind of look at Kobe Brown the same way. Great year, but it's kind of a bad thing that you need him to have 27 and 12 rebounds in these games.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's it's pretty similar. Like with Beatty too. Beatty, like his his year was impressive, and obviously, you know, Kobe Brown's not setting school records. You know, I don't want to minimize what Beatty did at all. But yeah, no, a healthy offense is not asking him to run the ball forty two times a game or whatever he had against Arkansas. I mean, like he, yes, he was like second or third in the country in rushing yards. He was also up there in the top three in carries. It wasn't like he was more efficient than anyone else. And you know, yeah, he showed he could. He could do some, you know, some things that more consistently, or keep his explosiveness on more carries than before. But I, I would say, I guess, I'm a little more surprised by Kobe Brown just in the in the fact that uh, I didn't know he could he could do much of the, as much of this stuff. Obviously, I didn't know if Tyler Beatty could do it that much at that workload without getting hurt. But yeah, I think Brown is a little more surprising to me.
1: Well, and you mentioned the the defense, and we'll kind of wrap up with this. So. On the surface, it's shocking that Missouri beat Alabama, right? And and it still is, despite what I'm going to mention next. Here is how we should handicap every Missouri game. Look at the opposing big man. Because Alabama had an opposing big man that frankly defies physics. He was seven foot two twenty-five, and he looked closer to one twenty-five. I mean, he was the skinniest person I've ever seen. And he missed three layups in the first two minutes. And But the point is, they did not have a big man that demanded Kobe Brown guard him, which allowed Kobe Brown not to pick up two fouls in the first five minutes, which allowed him to stay on the court, which allowed Missouri to be better. Every game in which the other team doesn't really have a traditional big man, I think Missouri has a chance to stick around because of that. And every game they go up against Kofi Coburn, Oscar Sheebway even... David McCormick, you know, I think they're dead because they're going to put Kobe Brown on him and he can't guard those guys and he's going to get fouls and their best offensive player is going to be off the floor.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big part of it for sure. I think, uh, you know, Jalen Williams at Arkansas is bigger than Kobe Brown, but he at least plays a little more like Kobe Brown. He's not a guy who's going to back you into the post a ton. You know, he they use him a little more spread out. That said, I mean, Eric Wesselman's a smart coach. I'm sure he's watched film and will probably, you know, make an emphasis to try to get Kobe Brown in, in early foul trouble. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree. I think that is, that is one of the biggest keys um, along with, I mean, you know, Making shots is is important, but that's not something you can see going into the game, like like you're saying.
1: Well, I I just want to say that Eric Musselman has watched film, and making shots is important. That's why we pay you the big bucks and have you on here every week, Mitch. Yeah, that is high level analysis. I know. All right, so Mizzou, Arkansas tonight at eight o'clock. Uh, Mizzou A and M. We've decided two thirty on Saturday. Uh, I don't know. The women's basketball team plays a couple games. Recruiting gets going again. We'll talk about all things. We're back here uh, on a weekly schedule every Wednesday. So, I don't know, Mitch, anything else you want to talk about?
0: Nah, I think we hit it all.
1: Good deal. We'll let you go. Um, Full coverage tonight of the game. Uh, Thank Mitch for joining us. Thank all of you guys for joining us here. We will be here again every Wednesday with the 573 report, except for we'll probably change the schedule first week in February because uh, the signing day is going to be the first week in February. So we'll we'll probably go uh, push it back a day that week. Other than that, we are here with you. Brought to you every week by 573Ts, 573TEES.com. All of your gear, they got hats, they got shirts, they got anything you want. They got Mizzou gear, they got Power Mizzou gear, they got Columbia gear, stuff from all over the state, a lot of NIL stuff. Mentioned the Chad Bailey shirt that is benefiting um, Coyote Hill and and foster kids in Columbia, so all kinds of stuff. We encourage you guys certainly to check out 573Ts. They've been a great partner of ours, and I know that a lot of you guys have supported them. We certainly appreciate that. So, do they. please continue to do so. Uh, we'll have full coverage of basketball tonight, and we will talk to you here next week. Thanks for hanging out.